0: This week, I ruined Jason's life with The Raft of the Medusa by Theodore Jericho.
1: Or, as he's known in some circles, Theodore J. Cole. No, (laughs) no, no, you're right. Cue the music. Hi, welcome to Ruin My Life, a podcast about forcing your friends to like the things you like. I am Jason. I'm Kelsey. Kelsey, welcome to the podcast.
0: Thank you for having me. I mean, it's my (laughs) podcast too, but
1: (laughs) I'm here. Uh, You did did it, you did it though, I got you. Uh, Kelsey, I'm excited about this episode. Me too. We're charting new frontiers. Yeah. I mean, not new for most of humanity, but new for us as a podcast. You
0: know, we're steering away from pop culture and towards...
1: Plain old culture.
0: Plain old culture. Original,
1: unpopped culture. Unpopped. (laughs) Uh, What are we talking about today?
0: Today we're going to talk about the painting, The Raft of the Medusa, by French artist Theodore Jericho.
1: Wow. Art. Art. Paintings. Yep. A guy with a French name.
0: A French guy with the French name, even. Boy,
1: we're stepping up in the podcast (laughs) echelon now. Yep. We're no longer in the realm of stupid fart jokes and dog puns podcasts we're gonna be
0: educational we're an
1: educational podcast Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. we're gonna be like the dollop or sawbones but with art but with art hardcore history dan dan carlin watch out here we come
0: yeah i'm not recording a five-hour podcast we're coming for your spot i'm not doing it i would
1: listen you talk about art history for five hours
0: yeah it's just a big time commitment for me though (laughs)
1: yeah but think about how it is for me
0: okay i mean you just get to sit there i have to do research and shit
1: okay you know what let's pause on that for now okay let's 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 do a test run with maybe a slightly smaller chunk of time yes about 50 minutes (laughs) (laughs) give or take depending on how we feel that week
0: yeah
1: kelsey uh, let me start off with just a question sure i think we'll just get us right to the heart of the issue okay what is art
0: (laughs) well jason (laughs) it's kind of a big question is that too broad that might be too broad okay
1: i'm sorry let me refocus my efforts
0: <laughs> what, what, is art?
1: <laughs> what is this painting
0: okay this the, we can that's that's easier. i can run with that okay okay so this painting is a painting from roughly 1819 uh, It was painted over the course of 1818 and 1819 um by a french artist theodore jericho um, and it's called The Raft of the Medusa because it depicts the raft of a ship called the Medusa um, and I picked this painting because it is one of my favorites um, and I wanted to tell you about it because it's got a couple of different good stories mm. um, but to start out basic facts uh, this painting which I think we can link to in the show notes. Yeah, we can link we to should, it. We, it will probably be helpful during this podcast if you know what it looks like.
1: And hey, just you know, pull it up. It's a good one. Yeah. I'm looking at it right now. It's a good one. It's nice. It pretty grim.
0: Pretty grim. Pretty it's gr- pretty grim. Pretty there, grim scenario some, being depicted here. There, There's some uh, graphic things that happen in this story. So just heads up about that. Okay. So uh, the painting itself um is 16 feet by 23 feet it's very big
1: is that big for a painting
0: it's very 16 feet by 23 feet is like bigger than this room whoa like 23 feet is probably from the window to the dining area over our, there. our
1: listeners can't see me but i'm actually like like an idiot looking back and forth from <laughs> one side room to the other like trying to picture how big this painting is it's
0: a big ass painting it's big yeah um and it was completed when the artist was 27
1: oh my god which no why did you tell is, me that
0: is how old we are No.
1: <laughs> yeah, but isn't this in a way isn't this podcast like our raft of the medusa
0: yeah sure why not
1: yeah okay 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 okay
0: <laughs> um so he painted it over the course of a couple of years uh 18, ni- 1818 to 1819 um it was uncommissioned which is kind of huge at that time because he wanted to generate entrance interest and launch his career as an artist um,
1: so he was working for exposure. Yep. See? Basically. See, guys? You know, you <laughs> artists out there, you get all, you know, finicky about working for money or exposure. This guy did it. Old Jake Cole himself, he did it. Yep. <laughs> just saying, you could all stand to learn a thing or two. Yeah. I'm going to stop. <laughs> I'm going to stop now.
0: So, um, so just to describe it a little bit, the painting depicts a raft with a, a bunch of... Um, survivors of a shipwreck of the medusa um hailing a passing ship in the distance which this was an actual event that happened three years before he painted the painting so i want to talk about that a little bit because it's kind of a crazy story
1: okay bring it on
0: um so the painting itself is is very grim there's some people dying and dead and and very desperate and and beyond hope at this point um but the actual shipwreck of the, Med- of the Medusa happened three years earlier. Um, the, the boat was on um, on its way to Senegal, um, where the French were getting ready to recolonize Senegal uh, after they took it from the British or the Belgium when they divided up Africa between everybody, you know.
1: Hmm. <laughs> Off to such a nice start already. I know, right? Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and basically, just prior to this, uh, Louis the 18th wanted to um sort of reposition the french navy under the royalist so to be the commander of this fleet of boats and the captain of this particular ship um he appointed uh viscount hughes de ray chamarais i think is how you say it but that's probably wrong my pronunciation is going to be bad this whole episode is Just...
1: that viscount viscount is that the guy's name or is that his, that's rank? his title viscount
0: viscount yes mm. um uh, despite his kind of inexperience in, uh, you know, sailing, he had about 20 years of experience, which would not be enough to be the captain of a ship of this fleet. Um, there were three other ships on on the convoy with it, which is the Argus, the Echo, and the Loire. And on the Medusa was this viscount, um, the newly appointed governor of Senegal and his wife. Basically, they wanted to get to Senegal as fast as possible, which would mean sailing close to shore so as not to, like, you know, lengthen the route.
1: Yeah, riding that HOV lane. Yeah, Yeah.
0: basically. <laughs> um, and despite advice from the other captains in the fleet and who are more experienced than him, um, he decided to do just that, even though it can be somewhat dangerous because closer to shore, it is shallower.
1: This is the part of the movie where the viscount is, like, arguing with someone who's telling him not to take that route and he's saying things like, this ship could never crash. Yep. <laughs> I bet my life on a, on a raft, we'll never need them.
0: In addition to that, he appointed a civilian as in charge of navigation who had pretty much no experience and, and put him in charge of, of making sure they were going the right direction.
1: This might not be a question you have the answer to, uh, Kelsey. <laughs> sure. Why would he do that?
0: I really don't know. <laughs>
1: I know he was inexperienced for a captain, but 20 years, you think you realize, like, boy, maybe not everyone can do this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Basically. Um, So, one of the other ships, the Echo, the two, the Argus and the Loire fell back because they couldn't keep the pace because the, the medusa was the fastest ship and it was sailing very close to shore so the those two ships fell back and took a safer route the echo <laughs> so they're
1: basically like i don't think this guy knows like, what he's doing
0: this. <laughs> the echo kept pace um and tried to get the medusa to move further out um
1: so they're just, they just cross each other like from ship to ship
0: probably <laughs> <laughs> i would not think about the image
1: like when you see like two guys pull up next to each other in like on, in cars and like yell at each other through through the win- open windows. What's going on there?
0: <laughs> you want to go?
1: You <laughs> want to go? What are they talking about? I
0: don't know. But uh, the captain and the Medusa wouldn't listen and eventually the Echo moved out to out to sea alone because it was dangerous. <laughs> and then on July 2, 1816 um, about 50 kilometers off the coast of Africa the Medusa ran aground hit like a, a wreath and um got stuck.
1: Again, I don't know much about ships. but yeah. you don't want to do that. No. no, generally speaking,
0: generally speaking. okay. No, it's stuck.
1: Yeah, you mm-hmm. don't want to go aground.
0: Yes, and it ran aground at high tide. So um, that means if it had run aground at low tide, that means there'd be more water coming in and they could maybe refloat the ship when there was more water going in with the tide. Um, but since it ran aground at high tide, that means it's only going to be less water. Mm. Um, so ship stuck. It sucks. Um, then the captain refused to jettison the 14 three ton cannons that were on the ship. to so maybe make it lighter and refloat it.
1: So the captain and the viscount are two different people, No, the right? captain is the viscount. Oh, okay. Okay.
0: Um, and the governor, the newly appointed governor was also kind of like in charge and was, Heavily influencing the captain in these decisions. Um, so the shore was 30 miles away, which is maybe in viewing distance, but, like, that's far.
1: I can't get over the fact that he didn't drop the cannons. Yeah. We can't cut these cannons. Well if someone tries to sink our ship?
0: <laughs> um, and so the raft was originally constructed to float the ship's cargo. So all of the stuff the ship was carrying, they were just going to put it on the raft and try to refloat the ship um, and then not lose any of the cargo. But on July 5th, so it's been like three days now, um, a gale developed, a big storm, big windstorm developed, and the boat was breaking apart. So basically, um, everyone had to get out of there. So 146 men and one woman <laughs> were um, herded onto the raft instead of the cargo.
1: Boy, that's that's the first person in the story I felt bad for. That one woman. <laughs> yeah, wow, one yeah, she... woman on a ship with like 150 dudes. I mean, there was
0: other there was other women, but they got to go on the lifeboats. Oh, okay. Um, and the rest of them were um, put in lifeboats. So in the lifeboats are you know the captain, the governor, you know various nobles. Some of the crew, but like high-ranking people. Most of the crew is on is on the raft, and the rest of the civilian passengers are on the raft.
1: Is the navigator on the lifeboats, or is he on yeah, the raft?
0: he's on okay. the lifeboats.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Um, and then uh, 17 men stayed behind on the boat. The raft was 7 by 20 meters, so it's a pretty big raft, but 146 people on it. Um, and so the rest of the crew that was left after the 17 on the boat and the 146 on the raft went on the lifeboats
1: what are those guys who are staying behind on the ship doing
0: uh staying with the ship hoping it gets rescued (laughs) i mean (laughs) (laughs) that's that's
1: optimism right there
0: i mean i you know going down with their ship
1: you know but the captain's supposed to go down with his ship
0: well he's not a very good captain you're just 17 dudes Um, you can't
1: make up for the captain not going down with his ship just by hanging out on the ship yourself
0: yeah, I mean, I think there was a hope that the once the boats got back to shore, they could send out a rescue party.
1: But you guys are gonna come back for us, right? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You guys, we'll, we'll be right back.
0: Okay, so the the raft has no navigation, no steering, so they're being towed by the longboats, the the lifeboats. And as the storm developed, the people in the lifeboats realized that they probably wouldn't make it back to shore if they continued dragging the raft so the captain and the governor and all the people on the lifeboats decided to cut the lines that were dragging the raft hmm. so they've basically just let left the raft adrift in gale force winds presumably you know the people on the lifeboats make it back um but on the raft so they they have no steering they have no propelling like they're just floating adrift. Um, they have no water. They just have wine.
1: Um, so it's not all bad. And very little food. Maybe hmm. um, you can fill up one drink.
0: The first night, 20 people were killed or committed suicide. Ooh. Uh, the edges of the raft became insecure and started to break apart. And people fought and killed and died trying to get to the secure center. Um, this is the you know the Wait, how big is
1: this raft it's you said in meters
0: 20, 20 by 7
1: how how big how big is that compared to this apartment
0: i mean 20 meters is like a meter is what like three and a half feet mm, okay so 60 feet that's long that's,
1: that's long. longer
0: than this apartment
1: bigger even than the painting yeah That inspired yes
0: <laughs> yeah and you know so, so yeah like 60 70 feet by like
1: okay so enough space for a death match yeah Okay. Yeah. That's like that's like half a football field, right? What do you know, football no, football field is 100 yards. yards.
0: Maybe more like a like a basketball court.
1: Okay, so large. Yeah, yeah.
0: Um. So yeah, so people basically like fought in, for spots and tried to get to the center because the outside was insecure. Uh, some people were taken over by waves. Like people on the edges were just knocked off by waves. Um, rations dwindled. On day four, there were 67 people left alive from the original 147. Um, that one lady did not make it that far. Oh. I know. Um.
1: I was rooting for her.
0: Uh, rations dwindled. Some people resorted to the food source at hand.
1: What are you saying? Well. Bottles of wine? No. Old pieces of wood? Nope sharks
0: unfortunately no
1: wait that okay wait so there's no food on the raft
0: no food but a lot of dead people
1: oh yeah Yeah. cannibalism boy
0: um so by day eight the fittest amongst the survivors decided in order to ensure their survival that they would throw the weak and the dead overboard which left 15 men, 15, to be rescued by the Argus on the 12th day that they were adrift on the raft. Wow. So the Argus came upon them. The Argus was one of the ships from the original fleet. It came upon them by accident, basically. And the, the, the scene that's depicted in the painting is um, them spotting it for the first time.
1: And that's like the 15 worst dudes, too. That's like the 15 dudes who are like, no, I've got to make it. I'm strong.
0: Yeah, pretty much.
1: Must have been a hell of a thing for the Argus to see though.
0: Yeah. Um
1: Hey guys, how have you been?
0: Kinda sucky. How was, <laughs> how
1: was the trip? Ooh. Ooh. Ooh.
0: Um, so five of the fifteen remaining crew died within five days of the rescue. Mm. So ten, ten people made it off that raft, basically.
1: Good. I don't like these people.
0: Yeah. Um
1: I shouldn't the... should say that. I guess they went through um, an awful thing. So but they are the—I mean, at this point, the only people that's alive are people who have, like thrown other people off the edge yeah, of the raft and, and eaten a bunch of people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so I'm not really on their side anymore. Basically, yeah. And else from the get-go, they are all like you know, heavy, heavy colonialists.
0: I mean, these people are like the—the the man in the center of the—the um, the painting is a—is a black man. Um, these people are are crew. They're workers. They're not. Some of them were Africans.
1: Oh yeah! Wow. Um, I retract my statement, and would like to back delicately away the from the people, entire subject. The
0: worst people in this story is, are definitely the people who made it onto the lifeboats. Yeah, and decided I mean, well, to well, cut them off. Well, well, yeah, well, yeah, second to those people, right? <laughs> um, I mean, this is a survival situation. Um,
1: like I've always said, so sur- people who survive are cowards.
0: So fifty-four days after the original shipwreck, uh, Captain Viscount. <laughs> I know I'm confusing you more. <laughs> uh, sent a uh, set out to recover the gold that was on the original ship, because he's a terrible man, and found three of the seventeen men who stayed on the ship alive. Fifty-four oh, no. days.
1: Oh, I was two like two months. I was like, what happened to them? They they had oh, but it was two months. Two so. months. Did they n- anybody?
0: I don't think so. I think they had rations. Also fishing.
1: Wait, so but how'd they die?
0: Um, maybe they did. I don't know I assume they are I don't know how they died I don't know how they died That was not mm, in my research Lost to hi-
1: Lost to history Lost to history No one knows As far as you know Listener
0: oh. It just makes me so mad That they only found them Because they set out He went to go fetch the gold Yeah Because he's terrible Yeah
1: I mean I, Although like Those three guys Probably They probably feel pretty good about it Well not good got a good story Sorry this thing turned out A lot more gruesome Than I anticipated I'm sorry When I, when I was cracking wise about it <laughs>
0: Um, okay, so, uh, Captain Charmere was court-martialed, um, and acquitted of three of five counts. Um. What? Yeah. Yeah. He was found guilty of incompetent navigation and abandoning the ship with passengers still aboard. Yeah. And even on just those two counts, he could have been sentenced to death, but he only got three years in prison.
1: Three years? Mm
0: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Did you have to eat anybody while he was in prison? I don't
0: think so. Probably a pretty nice person, actually. Yeah. Uh, the, the governor of Man. Senegal was forced to resign. Um, basically, it was a whole big scandal in the French government and French military. It got a lot of press. And the survivors like wrote about what happened and, and vilified, rightly so, the people in charge. Right. Um, they actually found the site of the shipwreck in
1: 1980. Oh, that's, that's nice.
0: Which is pretty cool. That's the story of the shipwreck of the Medusa.
1: Hmm. Boy.
0: Yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a juicy one.
1: It went so much worse than I would anticipated. I'm
0: sorry. <laughs> I did. It, it's a little gruesome.
1: I mean, I, I should I should have. Yeah. I mean, you, you can't tell from the painting that anyone was eaten.
0: No. No.
1: They, they look like they just. I mean, it looks. It looks bad. It a lot look,
0: of them are dead.
1: Yeah. I mean, I imagine if they were actually dead in real life, they would would have been thrown from the raft.
0: Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> so that's the story. And like, and the gruesome parts of it are important to why it's important art historically. So I just want you to know that. Um, so Jericho's painting is important in the course of art history because it's kind of a... Like, sort of bridge between neoclassism and romanticism. And romanticism is one of my favorite periods of art... Um and this is kind of the work that is probably not most associated with it, but is I think one of the most important as far as the movement goes. But Jericho's kind of an interesting dude. Like I said, he painted this uncommissioned, um, just to sort of cause a stir. Basically, he wanted to be noticed, but he also chose a very like anyone would have known what this was. This is a huge, a huge scandal a couple of years before. And it, the French audience would have been like, oh, oh.
1: Boy, look at this hot take over here. Look at this
0: hot take. Exactly. It was a hot take. It was a hot take. But Jericho did, he was very obsessive about um, getting it right. He um, worked with survivors. Um, he kind of had this obsessive uh, attention to what corpses and, and dead flesh looked like. He visited a lot of hospitals and he sort of like checked out body parts from asylums and stuff, so he could sort of observe them in their rotting nature. Wow. <laughs>
1: um,
0: he's not the first person to do this. Like Da Vinci did stuff like that all the time. Wow, like,
1: being a painter is a wild job. It's
0: a wild job, yeah. Man. Um, but yeah, the the detail of the corpses is, is like kind of one of the things that makes this painting so striking and and. You have to remember that it's very large, so most of these are going to be like life size, maybe a little smaller, but not not really. Um, so he painted this just after breaking off a uh, affair with his aunt. Um,
1: well, okay, yeah. the story's taking a turn. I
0: know, right? <laughs> <What>? <laughs> he
1: uh, was that was that is that like a French thing?
0: Mm, he shaved his head. And he um, devoted himself to sort of a monastic painting practice. He painted in, like, pure silence um, and worked on this for, like, two years. Do you have any any questions thus far?
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah. What podcast do you listen to while he was painting?
0: I don't know. Like, right? <laughs> yeah. What? I, how do you... Two years of silence. It's
1: gross. You don't even have invisibilia? Mem- memory palace? You
0: All need things- a lot of memory palace. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Boy, it's a lot to take in.
0: It's a lot to take in. Um,
1: does, so does the thing about him uh, having sex with his aunt come back around at any point? No, I is, just
0: thought it was funny. Just <laughs> one of those fun little
1: details you sprinkle in?
0: Just kind of, like, because he's... He's a really interesting, good, like, person as far as, like, problematic white guys go um, in that he's not super problematic. He is an abolitionist. He, like, wanted to paint things that confronted people and, and you know... Um, so you
1: don't consider having sex with your aunt to be problematic. But I
0: wanted to highlight that because everyone's problematic somehow.
1: That's true.
0: <laughs> um, so, yeah.
1: I don't, I, don't, I don't want to read the call-out post on this guy.
0: <laughs> call-out post with Theodore Jericho.
1: Had sex with his aunt.
0: He broke it off.
1: Shave, shaved his head like a weirdo. <laughs> Painted in silence.
0: Shaved his head like a weirdo.
1: <laughs> Loves looking, looking at body parts.
0: <laughs> yeah, pretty much. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but he was sort of being an advocate for these people by mm-hmm. doing this painting. Or that was his sort of... Yeah, I mean, one and of that's his intentions. part of
0: the reason this painting is important, because this style of painting is sort of in the Grand Manor history painting style. But during the neoclassical era, the figures that would have been depicted in a painting like this would have been historical or mythological a lot of paintings of napoleon or um you know roman emperors uh people in you know great great men great men of power so refocusing the narrative onto the sort of common person um was a huge part of romanticism and eventually realism oh um so this painting is really important as far as um those two uh 19th century movements go um, the painting was exhibited in the nineteen, the eighteen nineteen Paris Salon, um, which uh, it was hung kind of high on the wall. in In the salons, they basically covered uh, the walls in paintings. Like instead of doing you know one painting in each section, there would be from floor to ceiling, and you want it to be you know on the eye line. Um, so it was hung a little bit high, which kind of reduces the effect of a grand painting. Um, but and you know reviews were mixed. You know, the, the old school people were like, this is disgusting. What is this? I don't understand. Gross. Gross, basically. They were repelled. But then...
1: Imagine being so, so French that a painting was enough to gross you out. <laughs>
0: like, oh, Gross.
1: <laughs> Le gross. Le gross.
0: Um, but there was another contingency of people who were like, wow, this not only demonstrates a amazing understanding of technique and 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 uh, skill but it also moves you and and gives light to something that hasn't been highlighted before and should be and also it's kind of beautiful and i think that sort of um Beauty in the in the grotesque and the grim, is a is a big part of um, romantic and and realist painting.
1: Meanwhile, the the detractors were more like, okay, snowflake. <laughs> oh, what about sailor on sailor crime, huh? Oh God. <laughs> That's it. That's all of that character. he's, okay. not, he's not coming back. He's Don't not coming back.
0: Good. Okay. Yeah, I think it's it's a really interesting piece in that it, it was divided and it, he did win a gold medal at the salon nice like critics liked it um,
1: he got he got all he got, he got five mics
0: he didn't sell it though which kind of sucks because he didn't it wasn't commissioned he didn't get paid to make it
1: Oh, but he wanted to sell it
0: he wanted to sell it ideally when you get the gold medal at the salon the French government buys the painting and it goes in the Louvre.
1: could he have sold it to a private collector yeah was but that- nobody bought it really yeah wow um is it because all the people who were like repulsed and uh, upset by it or the rich people probably or the people who um, enjoyed it and sympathized with the people in it were i guess still kind of rich but slightly less rich
0: yeah <laughs> um so uh he didn't sell it it kind of he got another commission out of it but he didn't really want it he gave it to delacroix who's a cool guy too and we'll talk more about him um but he did liberty leading the people but um
1: we will talk we're gonna talk more about him yeah a little bit oh cool in in
0: the future (laughs) like in a few minutes oh okay (laughs) coming coming
1: up very soon um
0: yeah he he so jericho got another commission out of it but he didn't really want it and he gave it to delacroix and actually signed his own name to it which i think is hilarious
1: wait delacroix signed his own name to it
0: nope jericho signed his name to delacroix's painting
1: oh (laughs) wait why
0: I didn't really get that far in my research because <laughs> that seemed like a whole nother yeah. uh, wormhole to go down.
1: But what was their relationship?
0: As far as I understand, they were friends. He Delacroix was actually a model for one of the people in the painting. Um, so, in, so the Louvre didn't buy it, which is what the outcome should have been, really. Um, so it was exhibited again in England in 1820, where it was hung lower. And it, you know, was a little more monumental. The reviews were much less divided and more wholly positive. It also coincided in a time in which um, abolition agitating was happening in England, and that was a big part of it. Um, as the, the, I would say, the hero of this painting is is a black man, and that was very revolutionary and pretty important politically, as far as art goes. The the um, the Salon and the Academy in, in France at the time is just so rigid and like doing something like this was, I can't stress enough how not normal it was. So, and he, so he, he exhibited in London to much acclaim. Uh, The monumental impact of the painting was felt when it was hung lower. Um, And the exhibition in London was a pay exhibition and he got a portion of the uh, admissions basically. And he made more than he would have if the French government had bought it initially. So, good on him. Nice. Um,
1: it had a happy ending mm-hmm. for his wallet. Mm-hmm.
0: So, uh, Jericho died in 1824.
1: What? Yeah. No. At like, 32. He's dead?
0: He's, yeah, he's dead.
1: <laughs> oh, man. He'd
0: be, like, rolled. So. <laughs> wow.
1: Um, Spoiler warning.
0: And uh, the Louvre did purchase it after he died from his heirs. And it hangs in the Louvre today. Oh,
1: didn't you purchase it till after he died? Not
0: till after he died.
1: Oh, that sucks. Why did he die? Why did he die so young?
0: He died of tuberculosis in 1824. Oh, oh okay, yeah. Because you know.
1: That's a very 1800s disease. Yeah. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Not super exciting. But
1: no.
0: he did have, uh, according to Wikipedia, several still lives of like severed limbs. <laughs> Oh, so that he, he was working on towards the end of his life.
1: So yeah, he, he did research for this painting, he just got really into severed limbs? I guess.
0: <laughs> 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 um, um, so, yeah, it's in the Louvre today. It's in the Grand Gallery, and it's very nice, and I've seen it.
1: Wow. Um, okay, look at you.
0: It was moved from the Louvre once,
1: moved, that I know moved of. Moved from the Louvre?
0: Moved from the Louvre. Um, during World War II, most of the great... French masterpieces were packed off in 1939 or so and sent to, like, different places in the countryside to wait out the war.
1: By George Clooney.
0: Monuments been, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Some of them were stolen and and taken by uh, Hitler when he occupied France, and others made it through the war and were moved back to the Louvre. So, yeah, that is The Raft of the Medusa.
1: Wow. Pretty pretty fucked up
0: yeah I really like this painting despite the the fucked upness of it and it's sort of historical importance only adds to that
1: do you have like just from looking at it do you have like an emotional reaction to the painting
0: I mean I think it's very like moving intense almost because everyone it's very desperate it's the feeling that comes off the painting but this there's so much dynamism and movement in this painting um that you just feel like that sort of surge forward, I think, when you look at it. Um, And you kind of feel that reaching out and that desperation. And that sort of drama and that dynamism was a huge part of romanticism and and the sort of lasting influence of this painting, because you can see there's a lot of diagonal lines um, in this painting, whereas sort of a neoclassical work in the same manner, even if it wasn't depicting this particular thing, would have been very horizontal and vertical. As opposed to diagonal, very static, very still, like they were posing, as opposed to like they were actually moving. So like, that's a really important thing, and you can see like the compositional influence on a work like *Liberty Leading the People*, which you know that work you do is on the back of my phone case for a long time.
1: Oh yeah, I've seen it.
0: Yeah, <laughs> 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 um, <laughs> um, you can see the compositional influence there.
1: Was this before that, or was this was, at the same was, school?
0: This was this was before that.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah.
0: Um this is The Death of Socrates by Jack Lou David. Oh, I've seen this one. Which is um a neoclassical painting of sort of the same I you know, it's depicting a death or whatever, but it's again it's historical mythological figures, and then but you can see how static it is, right? You can see how boring it's pretty boring i actually very much like david but i I, like his um
1: i hate this painting we're looking at right now (laughs) go back go back to the cannibal boat (laughs) Um, socrates pasty white ass but i just wanted to
0: show you
1: poison drinking motherfucker it's a little bit it sounds like it's a little bit like the conceit of death of a salesman when the entire idea is we're going to take this form that's always devoted to high class powerful figures and apply it to The common man. You gave me a look just now. No, I wanted wanted to. I wanted you to
0: expound on that. oh Okay,
1: I thought thought you were telling me that was way off base for some reason, and you were setting me up to dunk on me. Are you going to dunk on me? I'm
0: not going to dunk on you. So now I have "Liberty Leading the People" by Eugène Delacroix up.
1: Looks like lame is
0: it does it's actually depicting not the revolution in Le mis the one two years before um but there was a bunch of revolutions in france I, in the yeah, 19th century i, so. I was gonna
1: be so happy if i actually hit on the one revolution in france that i know about um which is the Le mis revolution as it's known historically
0: i mean i'm pretty sure you know about the actual french revolution don't you but that one wasn't in the 19th century eh,
1: it's a little fuzzy
0: you know reign of terror and all that shit
1: it yeah, doesn't sound good
0: Marie antoinette love the meat cake
1: yeah, she was going on cutting people's heads off, right?
0: She wasn't. <laughs> she got her head cut off. Oh, wow. <laughs> yep.
1: After she cut those people's heads off, they cut her head off?
0: She didn't cut anybody's head off.
1: Oh, after she got her head cut off, you mean?
0: Sure. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you can see how this is sort of like a reverse composition of the the Rats of the Medusa.
1: It's it's facing towards us instead of facing away, away yeah. to speak very generally.
0: Yes. Um. So...
1: Oh, that's clever.
0: And knowing that um, Delacroix and Jericho are friends, you can see the influence there.
1: Oh, Delacroix did this one.
0: Delacroix did do this one. Oh, we going to talk about him again.
1: <laughs> oh, wow. It happened. It came so, back around.
0: So yeah, and he, Delacroix is probably, I think, the best known romantic painter. Um, and again, this is...
1: And he makes a delicious flavored seltzer water.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
1: that's what most people are going to know him from lacroix his his, his, his his delicious raspberry lime essence water,
0: yeah. Um, and then this is also this is a little more in line with neoclassism because this is a sort of metaphorical depiction of common people in which, like each person in it represents a a kind of person as opposed to like actual people.
1: The one guy in the front looks like Lincoln he does. <laughs> did lincoln fight in the french revolution i
0: don't think so i don't think so that
1: guy had had quite a life you never know
0: you never know vampire hunter and all
1: that <laughs> <laughs> he did hunt and kill vampires
0: um i think you could also say that uh the wrath of medusa had a pretty big influence on someone like turner who i also love who is most famous painting the slave ship is about um a ship uh throwing overboard slaves and people attempting to escape and is a very beautiful painting but with a very sad story
1: so tune in next week for (laughs) that
0: proper romanticism is is more about drama and high high drama and and you know emotion and not necessarily authenticity like just creating the most dynamic piece you can whereas i think um jericho and the raft of medusa also has an influence on realism because it it has a sort of authenticity of emotion and this, um, it doesn't necessarily shy away from the ugly, um, in a way that romanticism didn't either, but it, romanticism would make things uglier to increase the drama of the, of the subject. Whereas I feel like this is a real, a real thing. Um, and I think that, that had a lot to, uh, a lot to do with, with its lasting influence on, on, uh. French art and art in general. Because um, you can look at something like uh, Daumier, who's um, one of his most famous prints is called Rue transnonian which is a, basically a massacre that happened, and it's a, a dead body. I know a lot about art with dead bodies and severed limbs. I'm sorry. <laughs>
1: um, it's okay. I'm glad we picked the uh, the gnarliest parts of French art for you <laughs> yeah. to teach me about. Um,
0: you, you know
1: where my interests lie. And you
0: can see like where, where Jericho's like Really dedication to depicting the, the dead and dying in a, in a real and, and heart-wrenching way um, is is felt in the future. Do you have any questions, concerns, comments? Are you just uncomfortable with the amount of carnage?
1: I, I, I'm, I'm never really comfortable with any amount of carnage. Yeah. Just uh, happening in real life, I guess. <laughs> No, I think you about covered everything I was going to ask. Oh, I'm sorry. I was was, was going to ask (laughs) you, like, what what brings you back to this painting. Not that you wanted to tell me about it, but I think you sort of covered... Yeah, I mean... What your fascination with it is.
0: I mean, I think it helps that it's also, like, you know, there's a lot going on. um, And you always can see different things. and, And when you see it in person, it's even, you know, greater. Um... And, you know, just the general, like, authenticity of emotion associated with it.
1: Do you typically have that sort of, like, in immediate, or not maybe not immediate, but very real emotional reaction to paintings?
0: In person, yeah. Mm-hmm. Not always when looking at reproductions. Right. Um, and some paintings do not elicit a very emotional reaction to me, but this is an emotional painting. Okay. <laughs> um, uh, but, yeah, I, I...
1: When you see a painting like this, do you sort of... I'm harping on this because I'm sort of so not an art person yeah that that i don't have a lot of experience responding to it Mm -hmm. but when you see a painting like this and you don't maybe know up front exactly what it's depicting Mm -hmm. does, does it still affect you or do you only really get that appreciation for it once you have a fuller understanding of what's going on
0: i think this painting is unique because if you don't know what's going on it still affects you because the emotions there are so real and the and the um, the situation is so fraught, and you can feel that when looking at it, and I think that's why, why it's so good. Whereas, like, there are paintings of equally as, you know, gruesome events that I think maybe don't capture it as well.
1: Yeah, like Bierstadt's "A uh, Storm in the Rockies," right? Which depicts a, a man murdering his wife. Yeah, but you you can't see it because it's because you're too so overtaken
0: by the majesty of the Rocky Mountains.
1: Hmm. You know, when mean Sarah... there's a
0: lot that happens in that painting.
1: Is there actually a murder going on in, in Storm in the Rockies? Probably. I was kind of I was bullshitting there, but you.
0: I I'm, I'm honestly, I might, I've I'm, looked at that painting a lot, and it would not put it past me, past it.
1: How have you? How much have you looked at that painting? Like
0: the first year I worked at the Brooklyn Museum, or the first six months when I was working at the Gautier exhibit. Um, the entrance to the exhibit was right where the entrance to the rotunda is, mm. so I had to stand there seven hours a day look at that Bearshat painting.
1: Did it ever start, like, changing?
0: Sometimes I think it does.
1: Uh, Morgan told me he used to not be able to sleep in the morning, like, as a kid. Yeah. So he would go out into his parents' living room on, like, Saturday morning and, like, sit on the couch and stare at this painting they had on the wall of, like, it's like a Western scene of, like, you know, cowboys riding across a plane. Yeah. And he would stare at it so long. And he was so sleep-deprived. He would, like, see the figures in the painting start to move and run as if as if they were in motion
0: yeah yeah is
1: is it like that a little bit is that thing that happens
0: it's really fun to look at that painting with kids and just ask them what they see because they always see things that like i normally don't look at um but i'm just like oh yeah i've never noticed that before (laughs) yeah that man is murdering his wife
1: (laughs) (laughs) my god (laughs) call the police i
0: don't actually know if there's a man murdering his (laughs) wife in storm in the rocky mountains but i'm just saying
1: Sarah and I when we went to Colorado and yeah. we were hiking in in the national park. Yeah. We wanted to go to Bearstat Lake. Yeah. But we got right up to it but we had to turn back around because of the gathering clouds. <laughs> so we wanted to see Bierstadt Lake, we couldn't because there was, there, a was storm. A, there was a storm in the Rockies.
0: Oh. And that painting was painted for um or he I forget the story. But it's called Storm in the Rocky Mountains at Mount Rosalie and the man it's Rosalie is a fake mountain, but he named it after his friend's wife, who he later married.
1: <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> or
0: slept with or something. They had a relationship.
1: I definitely heard someone tell me once <laughs> that the Mount Rosalie in that title is a is a dirty pun.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: But we're not here to talk about Bierstadt. No, we're not. But that is a good painting. It is a good painting. So is this. I'd like to see it. Where is it? There it is. Oh, there it is. I found it. Oh. But where is it in real life? Is it still the Louvre? Right? Oh,
0: yeah. It's at the Louvre.
1: Oh, it's not at the Brooklyn Museum?
0: Unfortunately, no. It's it, at the Louvre. It's not at the Met? Nope.
1: It's not at the...
0: <laughs> What's the other one? <laughs> um.
1: Well, there, there's got to be a third museum <laughs> in the world. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Maybe people who don't work in museums don't know this, but if, but people, uninformed people, will come into any museum and ask where the Mona Lisa is.
0: Or if you're Katie Warden, who works at the Met and volunteers at the Met, this is Starry Night here? Nope. No, it's at the MoMA.
1: Or if you work at the MoMA, you have people come in every day who think they're at the Met.
0: Yeah.
1: We're maybe doing this backwards, right but it, it is important to note that, Kelsey, you do work in a museum. As do you. <laughs> you well, yes, but you have like a master's in art history. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah. Okay. So you had, I have a
0: master's in arts administration. Arts administration. I have a bachelor's in art history.
1: Okay, I'm sorry. But you studied art. I did. Pretty extensively, yes. is what I'm saying here. <laughs> yes. I like that we're putting your bona fides here at the end, though. Because uh, yeah. we demonstrated it. We did. We showed instead of telling. Yeah. But now we're telling.
0: But now we're telling. Yeah, I think, I guess it is important to note that, we. yes, I do work in a museum and I am around art. and.
1: We work at the same museum. Yes. I, in a, in a much less involved context.
0: I used to work in the same position as you, so.
1: Does that mean someday I can have your job?
0: If I have a different job, yeah. <laughs> you don't want my job. No, I don't.
1: <laughs> I really don't.
0: I know you don't.
1: I wish. I feel like since I work in a museum, I should have learned more about art by now. Mm-hmm. But I'm not actually like in a space where I can go around and look at it all the time.
0: I'm trying to fix that.
1: I wish I could. I wish I could just like absorb it through the walls, <laughs> via osmosis.
0: That would be nice.
1: I was gonna ask. I think what it is about. Was it realism that was a, that was the school of art you enjoyed so much? that You're such a fan of.
0: I mean, I like uh, romanticism a lot.
1: Romanticism, I'm yeah. am what, what I, like, ab-
0: I like I like nineteenth century art in general because there's a there's a you know, it tracks to me 19th century art. You go from neoclassicism to romanticism, so neoclassicism is this sort of like grand-scale history paintings, but they're very still and and kind of boring um, to romanticism, which is sort of similar paintings, but In a sort of sweeping dramatic way that are, you know, interesting and have narrative and and are compositionally, I think, better. But, you know, that's a subjective thing to and you take that from romanticism and bring it into a place and make, you know, the emotions and the scenes into very real and you depict, you know, regular people and not metaphors or kings or whatever. And you just depict the the true, beautiful, and ugly nature of real life. Romanticism and realism kind of run parallel. At the same time, it's not necessarily a, um, you know, progression. I mean, it's a little bit of a progression. But in romanticism, you also get the use of, like, more bright colors and, and just, like, color to create drama. Um, which is where you get someone like Turner, who I love Turner's colors. That's a, a huge part of the appeal of him for me. Um And when you combine those, like, that sort of use of color with the sort of um, depiction of, like, a real moment, you get Impressionism, I think. Which is, like, the depiction of a real moment, but also with a a highly stylized um, technique. And then (laughs) post-Impressionism.
1: So, but Turner worked in, in what form? He's a painter.
0: He does a lot of landscapes and seascapes, and his later seascapes are really what i think lead into impressionism um, i wrote a whole paper about it in college <laughs>
1: i'm gonna stop you right there sure cue ding ding hold that thought yeah Gr- grasp a hold of it uh-huh. by the ears i'm ready let's hold it in place
0: okay now put it away talk about turner later
1: we'll talk about turner later wait wait hold on can i can i can i get my Karina longworth on for a second yeah sure but that's a story for another day I could, I could listen to you talk about this for a Dan Carlin length of time.
0: I'm glad. I hope our listeners feel the same.
1: <laughs> if they don't, they're not hearing this. We can basically say whatever we want to about them. Our listeners are the best listeners in the world. They are. Even if they're not listening. We still love them. We do. If they're not listening, then they're not listeners. So, Yeah, oh.
0: um, yeah so that was my sort of art history pitch to you. I'm sorry it was so gruesome. That's okay. There was cannibalism.
1: I'm sorry I said all those off color things about those people who died.
0: <laughs> I mean at least the governor lost his job and the captain did have to go to jail for a little while. He should have died, but they, you know they should
1: have put those two dudes on a raft in the middle of the ocean and made them eat each <laughs> other. <laughs>
0: that should have been their punishment
1: <laughs>
0: uh.
1: Uh. Well thanks Kelsey for for tea I feel like I've learned.
0: I hope you have. I don't
1: always feel like I've learned at the end of these episodes, yeah. but this time I really do. I feel like I'm, I've am i grown as a person, too. Yeah.
0: I, I want to emphasize that I'm not an actual, like, art historian and that there are more nuanced and and, and probably better interpretations of this work. Disclaimer. Disclaimer. Because disclaimer. I need to have a disclaimer. <laughs> like, it's important. Um,
1: Jason and Kelsey are not experts.
0: <laughs> We're not.
1: <laughs> Got any recommendations before we... Set sail. Ooh, ooh, Bad choice of Words. Ooh, ooh, too soon, too soon, ooh.
0: Um, As far as, like, artists you should look at, did you like this painting? I did. Yeah.
1: I mean, I, I want to see it, but I know that's... that's yeah. It'll happen. Just, yeah. I need to make a list of whenever I go to France.
0: My mom went to France, and she had, like, a day in Paris. And she's like, we're going to go to, like, three museums, so I need, like, a hard and fast, like, tour of the Louvre. Like, what thing should I go see? And... I gave her a list of like 10 pieces and the Mona Lisa wasn't on it because the Mona Lisa is super disappointing in person and don't go see it. If you're at the Louvre, you're not going to enjoy yourself. It's all little. <sighs> it's very little. And, and there's a million people around yeah, it's it. Yeah, the same like
1: Starry Night was at MoMA. People are always gathered around it, so you can't even really enjoy Starting
0: it. Starry Night in person is more impressive than the Mona Lisa in person.
1: Yeah, but it's the same thing where people are crowded yeah. around it, so you can't really yeah. have a moment or like an experience with it because you're too busy.
0: Unless you work there, then you can go before we open. Hey! <laughs> we. Um. Well, I guess neither of us work there anymore.
1: No.
0: <laughs> um, and I gave her this list, and this was on it. Um, as well as like, and there was I tried to diversify the styles and and periods and stuff. And she's like, "Why isn't the Mona Lisa on there?" I was like, "Cause it's not good." Because
1: it's so. <laughs> because it's like there's
0: better da Vinci like that you should go see. And I told her to go see um the Marie de Medici cycle, which is a whole room of this this cycle of paintings uh, by Peter Paul Rubin. Peter Paul Rubin.
1: Peter, Paul, and Mary.
0: Rubens, by Rubens. Rubens? I think it's Rubens. I don't remember. Paul Rubens. Ooh, I don't think it's Paul (laughs) Rubens. (laughs) Um, And it fills up this entire room and it's the cycle of this woman's life and all these paintings. And they're not really like my favorite style, but it's just very impressive in person. And she was like, everyone made me go see the Mona Lisa, but I made them go to, to this thing. And everyone was like, this is amazing. And I was like, so, more of the story, If you're going to museums, listen to your art history nerd daughter. That's all I'm saying.
1: It's a very specific lesson.
0: You know, or your art history nerd friend. I'm not
1: sure how many of our r- listeners can take that lesson to heart.
0: Or your art history nerd friend.
1: Here's the real lesson. Fuck Mona Lisa.
0: That's the real lesson.
1: Special thanks to art for existing. Yep. Yeah. Specifically, artists like Danny Bowd of the Weeping Willards for use of their song, Outside in the Rain, from their self-titled album, available now on Bandcamp.
0: And artists like Carly Sussman, who designed our logo.
1: Truly the modern took day... took art
0: history with me.
1: <laughs> Carly Sussman, truly the modern day Joseph Mallard William Turner. JMW. I-, I meant to read the name of the person who did this painting, but I looked over and there was a different name on your screen, so I just read his name. Um, and I just want to say before we go uh everyone should check out a new podcast a new by some podcast. friends of ours uh alicia friend of the podcast
0: former former guest former on the guest. deb's episode hashtag bring back
1: deb's hashtag bring back deb's and uh hayden have a new podcast called that gay shit and dan and well dan dan, dan Sousa is joining the podcast as of i think the second episode yes so that's you're definitely gonna want to hear that
0: yeah it's about exploring um queer narratives in pop culture both explicit and implicit um in the first episode they talk about uh 10 things i hate about you which we talked about on the Deb's episode and the uh in our in our personal opinion the canon bisexuality of both uh, patrick and kat
1: <laughs> I, I i have to agree based on New and alicia's expertise yeah i haven't seen uh 10 things I had about you in a long time. I was
0: about to say, "Did you?" I thought you were going to say you hadn't seen it. And I was like, whoa, hold up. We're not going anywhere.
1: I've seen it. <laughs> I may have seen it before I knew what bisexuality was.
0: I mean, I saw it before I knew what bisexuality was. But okay, I've seen it since then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> since I discovered what bisexuality was.
0: I mean, it came out in like 2000. I was 10. Yeah.
1: I mean, I probably saw it when I was like 13 or 14, though. Yeah. I mean, I may have known what it was, but I was not as adept at it. Ed- you know discovering hidden narratives at that point
0: anyway you should check out that gay Today shit and that's that gay shit with a, a star or an asterisk instead of an eye censorship censorship mm. so check it out
1: yeah check it out it's good it's a good podcast i think it's gonna go to some great places me too
0: i'm very excited I'm
1: very excited uh oh if you have if you have a chance and you're uh, able to do so Rate and review our podcast.
0: If you learned something on today's episode, you should rate and review our podcast. You if you
1: learn something, you are morally obligated to rate and review our podcast. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It'd be like we're not asked for money here yet.
0: Just personal
1: and validation. Y- and you all should know if I thought I could squeeze a dollar out of this podcast, <laughs> we would have a Patreon up in seconds. We but just, I don't, so we're not. Just rate and review that's all we just rate and review. Just rate and review. Please. Please. Oh, man. Come on, please. (sighs) Okay. Okay. Because that about does it for us. It's been good. Here from Broadcasting Live from Ruin My Life Studios in scenic Kensington.
0: Scenic Kensington, Brooklyn.
1: Brooklyn, New York State. I've been Jason Edwards.
0: I've been Kelsey Goldman.
1: And remember to have a happy and safe holiday season. (laughs) That's new <laughs> <laughs> I'm just mixing up a little bit Okay Happy, Happy holidays. holidays They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up Can't let them get to me And even though I always fuck my life up Only I can mention me They wish I would go ahead and fuck my life up can't let them get to me and even though i always fuck my life up only i can mention me only i can mention me only i can mention me as long as we're just warming up right now can i ask you a question sure do you think we could get a uh, scaramucci on the podcast <laughs> I hope to, so. to talk about um being like the white house press director director for, of communications
0: for three days or however for, for long for 10 days was it 10 days actually
1: he was the director of communications for 10 days and it has certainly ruined his life
0: yeah hmm but how would he ruin our how would we experience that i
1: guess we would have to get hired as as a uh, white house
0: communications, communications director <laughs> i don't think it's that hard anymore
1: i mean we could certainly do it for as long as he did it yeah i uh, probably as good if not better agreed it hard, it's hard to see how you could possibly do worse than than he did just yeah. just don't, Kelsey, I'm talking to you, don't call the uh, New Yorker and, and cuss out the reporter. Jeez.
0: It's not good. It's not
1: good.